Ticket City presents Why You Go to See the Red Raiders. So this was the moment in tech sports, and I was a senior in high school at the time, and I remember wanting to go to the game, but I couldn't because I had to work a shift. When my shift ended, me and my coworkers just turned on the radio, and we all hung around my truck, and all of a sudden we heard the roar of the crowd, so we knew something happened, and then we heard the famous call on the radio of Crabtree scoring to beat UT. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit LubbockOnline.com slash sports and click tickets. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to a Red Raiders football podcast brought to you by the Avalanche Journal. AJ Media sports writers Don Williams and Carl Silva Jr. here with you today talking uh, Texas Tech and Houston. Those two teams uh, teed up 3.15 p.m. Saturday afternoon at Jones AT&T Stadium. Second consecutive uh, mid-afternoon Saturday home game for Texas Tech after the Red Raiders knock off Lamar 77 to nothing. Last week that puts Tech at 1-1 one one for the season. Houston comes in 2-0. and oh, Magic number for the Cougars to date has been 45. They beat Rice 45 to nothing in the opener, beat Arizona 45-18 to 18 last week. So Cougars come in at 2-0. and oh. Carlos, uh, what do you see as a key in this one? I think the biggest uh, thing you're going to see is uh, how freshman quarterback Alan Bowman works out because I know everyone's been talking about his ability to not turn the ball over, I think that's going to be pushed a little bit this time around just because I know we're not going to mention much of the Lamar game because of the 77-0 margin of victory. I I feel like maybe there were some things you can learn from it, but the biggest thing is that Texas Tech won that game. Yes, Ellen Bowman made some plays. They did all that, but I think you're going to see a much different front here from Houston uh, just because of Ed Oliver, the potential Heisman uh, hopeful. I know you don't see a lot of defensive linemen, but it just goes to show the fact that he's in the conversation just shows the type of player he is. I know you've talked about it before down on our Facebook Live on Wednesday, but he reminds you a little bit of Gabe Rivera, senior sack for Texas Tech because he's got that big body but he still has the nimbleness of like a cornerback or a linebacker, and that's what really just kind of makes him so tough to defend against because not only is he a big guy, but then he's nimble enough and just kind of light on his feet, if you will, to where he can get past a uh, offensive lineman, and once he gets gets there, it's a matter of uh, what will your freshman quarterback do when he is maybe pressured a little bit more than he was against Ole Miss for, uh, for, for opinion's sake. I think so, just because Ed Oliver is so unique. Just looking at the statistics, I mean, this guy's played two games, and he has he has eighteen tackles. Eighteen yep. tack, eighteen tackles for a lot of defensive tackles for a lot of good defensive tackles. They might have eighteen tackles six, eight, nine games into the season. Yep. He has eighteen after two games, plus four tackles for loss, yep. and six quarterback pressures. So that's. Really, ten disruptive plays in two games. That's that's ten dif- disruptive plays on the stat sheet. That's not even counting the other disruptive plays that he's no doubt no doubt had that mm-hmm. don't show up on the stat sheet. So yeah, it's going to be a uh, double handful for Paul Staywars and the guards uh, Jack Anderson and Madison Akamnanu. And I think it's highly likely that uh, Alan Bowman will be getting chased more than he has for the last two weeks. And the only reason I say that, and, and you kind of bring up that big point, defensive tackles, for the most part, are usually looked as guys that can kind of plug up holes. They just try and 
take up blocks, but Ed Oliver's a different guy. He's a hybrid. Not only does he take up blocks, but he still gets up the field, as you just mentioned, with the tackles for loss. And that's the important thing is he will get up the field. So you may see a lot more maybe bubble screens, some screen passes to the outside, or maybe some kind of not necessarily off tackle. Quick, quick hits. Yeah, stuff. yeah, just, just quick just hits. Just to yeah. neutralize his uh, explosiveness and burst. <laughs> well, 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 that or just to kind of confuse him because maybe you're expecting it to kind of go all the way up. You're maybe going left or right. Maybe you're going to him. Maybe you're not. But I think the, the one thing that will be important for Texas Tech against Ed Oliver, as you said, Don, can the offensive line neutralize him at least on a couple of plays where you are trying to get that big play from either a T.J. Vasher and Antoine Wesley or even Kashawn Carter, who's been stepping up a little bit, a freshman wide receiver for Texas Tech. But I think here's the other thing. Not only do you have to worry about Ed Oliver, you have to worry about a pretty dynamic player in De'Ara King uh, from the Houston Cougars side, the quarterback or the wide receiver turned quarterback. Yeah, I think that's going to be the, challenge, the other challenge in this game for Texas Tech. Uh, defense had a bad game to start against Ole Miss. They yep. had a, a shutout against Lamar that we don't really know what that means. This is probably a, a good litmus test for Texas Tech because De'Aaron King, as you noted, 5'11", 195-pound junior quarterback, off to a really hot start, second in the FBS right now, and touchdowns responsible for mm-hmm. with 10 after two games. He's thrown for seven, run for three. Um, they used him really as an all-purpose player yep. early in his career when he was a young guy. As a wide receiver, he caught 29 passes last year. He returned some kicks and punts. Then, he, then they moved him to quarterback, and he started mm-hmm. the last four games, and and is really off to a good start. It's a little bit, a uh, little bit of a painful wincing moment for Texas Tech fans because I wrote a column for Friday's paper about uh, De'Aaron King's family connection and to Texas Tech and. He is the great-nephew of former Texas Tech All-Southwest Conference offensive tackle Charlie Biggers, who was a guy uh, that started at least three years, uh, maybe parts of a fourth, for yeah. Spike Dyke's team. And so it's kind of a – you kind of hate to see that there's a guy who was really a Tech legacy, not not yeah. Charlie's son, but mm-hmm. his – uh, his great nephew, yeah, and uh, Red Raiders really wanted him. Chris King, Cliff Kingsbury spoke highly of De'Eric King mm-hmm. uh, this week. Now the Red Raiders will see if they can slow him down, and they, I, th- I think they're going to need to because I think my sense is this game will be maybe a little bit similar to last year, with mm-hmm. uh, which was a game played in the twenties. Well, here's the thing that I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on, Don. I don't think it's going to be in the 20s. I think it could be a high-scoring affair. Now, whether or not Texas Tech decides to kind of put their hat in the party will be what we'll see because Houston, of course, as we kind of mentioned on the Facebook Live, made a controversial hire, Kendall Bryles, who was, of course, with the Baylor with Art Bryles, and they had that fast-tempo type offense. They like to score the ball as quick as you can, use your running game, which they have multiple guys, Patrick Carr uh, being one of them. And, uh, of course, uh, another guy that we'll talk a little bit about maybe uh, uh, later in this podcast, but Marquez Stevenson, a wide receiver as well, who does a little bit of running as well. But Well, you know, and we, we haven't even mentioned this. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, we, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned this this week, but not only is Kendall Bryles, of course, who spent nine years at Baylor mm-hmm. in charge of the Houston offense now, but ba- uh, Houston's actually leader in carries this season is Terrence Williams, who is the former yep. Baylor Bear, big yep. running back who's – 6'2", about 220 pounds, high school teammate and still, I think, good friend of Deshaun Johnson, the mm-hmm. Texas Tech safety. He's carried 19 times for 81 yards so far. So they get it into the hands of a few people. And uh, I, I touched on it uh, 
other day in our Facebook Live yeah. telecast. I'll be interested to see if Houston, if Baylor, pardon me, if Houston mm-hmm. spreads the field the way Baylor did when Kendall Bryles was there, where they would there would be some plays that the uh, Bears would run with uh, two wide receivers both almost to the sideline on opposite sides of the field to make your defense spread out and cover as much territory as possible. Yeah, like I said, it's just going to be one of those deals where I really do think it's going to be a game that could be in the 30s or the 40s. Now, whether or not Texas Tech is able to keep up with Houston, I think that's going to be the biggest difference here is will Alan Bowman be able to make those plays? Will he be able to break those big runs with Trey King if he is able to play, if DeLeon Ward is able to play? Those are the other uh, kind of ifs, if you will, kind of going into this one. Of course, they didn't play against Lamar. Fortunately, uh, they did have some other guys, a Demarcus Felton, a Sir Roderick Thompson, to John Henry. They were able to step up. Each of them scored two touchdowns apiece. Once again, what does that mean? It just means that you got some guys to step up. Yes, uh, you can go on and on about the inferior opponent, but you still have to play. You still got to go. You have to perform, and certainly Texas Tech performed. And I thought, at least going into it, that was more of a pride thing. I think that's really where you see the the shutout really maybe pay a little bit of dividends for Texas Tech. But I think going into this Houston game, I think this is the real one where you're going to be on Big Fox. You're going to really show, have things change with your defense. I think this is going to be maybe that uh, the little rallying cry for David Gibbs and his defense. Are you able to shut down De'Eric King, this dynamic dual-threat quarterback, uh, after a performance where you certainly don't want to remember against Ole Miss? Yeah, uh, you touched a moment ago on running backs. I think we'll see DeLeon Ward on Saturday. Yeah. And I based that on Cliff Kingsbury said last Saturday that he could have played. Mm-hmm. if uh, he, he didn't say if it were a more legitimate yeah. opponent. He just said DeLeon Ward could mm-hmm. have played. Yes. So I think if he could have played last Saturday, I, I think we'll be back to seeing a, a pretty full dose of DeLeon Ward this Saturday, probably 15 carries or so. You know, one thing, Texas Tech beat Houston 27-23. Last year, uh, Dakota Allen had a big, big interception second half of that game. He yep. back. One thing that's different, though, is special teams a little bit different. We talked to, we have talked earlier this week that Clayton Hatfield appears to be back to his old self. He hasn't missed a kick yet. You flip it around, and last year down at Houston, the yep. Red Raiders had, uh, I think, two missed field goals from short range. Yep. This year, I look at it, and uh, the Cougs have already missed field goals from 35 and 33 yards. A 35-yarder against Rice, a 33-yarder against Arizona. So in a close game, that's interesting. This could, that you this bring could that actually up. be this could actually be a little bit the reverse of last year, where the kicking game could favor Tech. Well, here's the other thing too, and again, you're going to probably have to kind of rack your brain. I'm trying to remember it right now, but I'm sure the a cut, I, I want to say two of those or both of those misses were in the second half where they could have. Well, Me. one of them was in the first half. Oh, okay. I remember that because the Raiders yeah. missed a missed a kick right before halftime that uh, kind of let their let the wind out of the sail, yeah. so to speak, and yeah. gave Houston a little bit of a little bit of a momentum switch. Yeah. So, so that, that that was basically my point was I couldn't remember if it was in that first half, the second half, but I know when they missed them, Houston got a little bit of momentum, as you well mentioned, and then the other one, I believe was a miss where it could have given Tech maybe a two-possession lead, and then that's what kind of made it a little bit close and kind of made it too close for comfort, if you will. But, of course, Texas Tech was able to prevail because of their defense, which, again, that was – I'm not going to say it started there, but you could kind of see the 
the David Gibbs footprint right there. You saw the turnovers being made. You saw the defense getting up the field. You saw Eli Howard kind of stepping up. You saw Broderick Washington kind of step up. And I think that's what's going to be the biggest key here for Texas Tech against uh, Houston, pardon me. Can your defensive tackles get up the field? But more importantly, can you keep De'Eric King in kind of a little fence, as you kind of mentioned on our Facebook Live, as uh, Spike Dykes would like to say, just make sure that you keep them inside the pocket if you keep him in there, that's where he's the least dangerous because you're forcing him to pass the ball, which if you're doing that, you've got some pretty good cornerbacks and some safeties, especially if Deshaun Johnson is able to come back and play. Yeah, you, just, uh, you mentioned Eli Howard a moment ago, and uh, he's the guy who didn't have a good first game against Ole Miss. Yep. Got back into the lineup last Saturday, had his first sack of the season. and Didn't start, too. Did he start? Did he start? I can't remember. Well, you're right. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't start last Saturday. But I was going to say though, Houston is one of the first places where Eli started to show up last mm-hmm. year because he had that uh, Tony Jones too, if I'm not mistaken. He had that strip. Well, Eli Howard had the strip that Tony Jones picked That's up right. and That's right. and returned uh, like 40 yards mm-hmm. or so. And so that was the first kind of indication early last year that uh, for both of those guys, yeah. you know, that they could that they could be playmakers. Well, we'll see if they're able to do that. Of course, uh, Houston has a bunch of playmakers on their own. I know everyone looks at Ed Oliver, but a guy that I think could play a big uh, role here is Garrett Smith. He's got two interceptions for the Houston Cougars going into this one. And not only that, but he's just uh, a veteran leader back there in the secondary. And I think that's going to be key for Texas Tech. Are you going to be able to make those big plays? That was one thing I felt was missing against Ole Miss. Yes, you had these nice little run plays. Those are good. They milked the clock. But I think... If Texas Tech really wants to kind of turn things in their favor, build that momentum, not necessarily needing some big plays on defense, you got to make the big play on offense, especially if you're able to get the Houston defense committed to the run and you get those one-on-one situations on the outside. I think you have to throw the ball up to T.J. Vasher and let him do what he's done. Yeah, you mentioned him, Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Davis. I think you said Smith. Davis, Garrett I'm sorry. Davis. Garrett Davis, thank you. Senior safety, where's number one? He's off to a good start. Yep. Two interceptions already and two pass breakups. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy to kind of, as you say, be aware be aware of and alert to where, where, where he is, what he's doing on the back end. So I guess for you, Don, I know I'm, I'm really focused on Alan Bowman. I guess what, what are you looking forward to following, uh, again, for lack of a better term, what, what we didn't really learn from Texas Tech in a 77-0 victory over – an FCS opponent. I mean, well, I, I mean, you can say you didn't learn anything, but I think we did see a few things that maybe were some positives. One, Texas Tech forced turnovers. I think that's the big thing. They got three of them because sometimes those are difficult to get. You got an Adrian Fry pick six. I think that's interesting. And then Alan Bowman continued his success. And yes, it's against an FCS opponent, but sometimes you kind of take some chances. He didn't take chances. He still played the same poised control game that he's been playing since Ole Miss. Yeah, and the thing about it is he completes 22 out of 25, threw another one on target, should have been 23 out of 25, and that's what you want, I think, from a Texas Tech quarterback. Yeah. That's that's the most important thing, and I think that's, to me, that's the bigger, going into the season, That's the that was the biggest question about McLean Carter. A lot of folks asked if his arm strength was good enough, and the answer is yes, his arm oh, strength absolutely. is good enough. The question about McLean Carter for me was, is his accuracy good mm-hmm. enough? Because I thought he missed some throws, uh, and maybe you might say pretty badly so, in some of the games, that, or, or the brief appearance, yeah. brief stints that we've gotten to see him play. If Bowman can keep throwing the ball on target to the extent that he has, that's 
again, that's that's probably first and foremost the thing you need from a Texas Tech quarterback: accuracy and decision making. I go all the way back to. 17, 18 years ago, asking Mike Leach what his criteria was, criteria were, criteria was for was were for determining who his quarterback is, and those were the first two things that Mike Leach said: accuracy and decision making. And it was in, it's interesting that guys like Mike Leach and Bill Walsh never really made a big fuss over arm strength. Mm-hmm. Leach said, uh, "You know, if you can throw the ball forty-five yards, you can do what you need to do." in my offense and yep. with Bill Walsh is a lot the same way even at the NFL level so uh, I, th- I think can Bowman continue to th- throw on target and uh, can he continue to be poised when he has a guy like Oliver chasing him when he has just better personnel across the board uh, chasing him and narrowing those windows for him to throw to well once again you want to give some picks yeah, I, I mean, pe- people did ask us for score predictions on the Facebook Live. I want. Yeah, I'll have to I, remember I, what I predicted on Facebook. Well, Live. well, yeah, especially because you got the seventy-seven-zero uh, score. I remember, right, okay, I remember. I remember what I predicted. I on don't. Facebook Live. I, I think ahead. I remember yours too. Okay. okay. I said thirty-four to twenty-eight Texas Tech. Okay. Sort of a again game similar to last year, and I'll, I'll say the difference is two Clayton Hatfield field goals. Okay. I think you said thirty-five to. 28, 35 to 31, I, something like that. I just remember I had a field goal in there. Well, you know what? I, I think you had 38, 35. I think you had 38, 35. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had something close to 40 because, like I said, I really do think this could be an offensive game depending on what happens. Of course, the Texas Tech defense is looking for a little bit less than that. Maybe if, if – I, I would even go on to say if you keep them under 24, I think Tech wins this. I think their offense is good enough to score more than 24 points now. Now, whether or not you feel comfortable maybe calling a big play, that may be the thing in question, but I certainly think their offense with the running game, I think it's been efficient enough. I think you've seen enough from your from your linemen and then just getting Dante Thompson and the fullbacks in there with uh, Kevin Johns and kind of doing all that. I think it's good enough to score more than 24 points. The question will be is can your defense either create turnovers to give you more possessions to attempt to score or can they stop the opposition from scoring? I think that's going to be the important thing going into it. And that's, I think, why I said that. Not only that, but then to your point, too, Clayton Hadfield, I think if you have a pressure situation, I think you're going to feel really good about sending them out there. So, again, Texas Tech in Houston, 3.15 p.m. on Saturday out at Jones Stadium. Should be, uh, I think, good weather for the game. Temperature low 80s, maybe even high 70s, and possibly a little shower in the forecast. I haven't checked it lately, but at least that's yeah. what it says on my phone, possible thunderstorm there on Saturday. Well, so, that means uh, there will be clouds, hopefully uh, hiding the sun a little bit. I know uh, the Texas Tech Athletics has been talking about the, the little water stations or the cooling stations, so certainly use those if you get in the sun. I know uh, one of the sides really gets beat down with the sun, so make sure you do that. But, of course, uh, a Red Raider win would certainly help some of that stuff, I'm sure, for some of those fans. Both of us will be at the game. We expect yep. to see a lot of you out there, too. Yep. 3, 3.15 p.m. on Saturday, we'll have full coverage uh, with uh, column game story notebook and uh, pretty pictures by Brad Tolson. You can follow each of us online as well and also on Twitter. And so uh, I guess that will kind of put a wrap on it for now, and we will uh, – Again, have daily coverage in the Avalanche Journal leading up to the game and afterward. So uh, we thank you for reading and we thank you for listening. For uh, HA Media Sports Editor Carlos Silva, Jr., I'm Don Williams. This has been another Red Raiders football podcast. Thanks for joining us.